0: Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. In today's episode, I talk to Bryony Gunson and I'm going to be totally upfront with you. I don't really even know where to start with this intro. This is a fascinating podcast. I'll warn you now, it's a long one. So, you know, feel free to, to do it in chunks or however you may choose to do so. Um. Uh, I don't know if I should be giving trigger warnings, but Briony is a coach who helps people get through tough times, and she's been through tough times herself, she talks about it a lot in the podcast, um, so I don't know if trigger warnings is the right word, but there's a lot of talk about how we uh, react to situations, how we can get the best out of situations, you know, do you get the Sunday blues, is it more than just the Sunday blues, Um That's not to say that you're not going to enjoy it if, you know, your life's all all roses and stuff, but I think there's a lot of value here and a lot of takeaways that would be positive for a lot lot of people. Um, And I'm sure there's people in your life who you'll listen to, who you'll think of when you listen to this and go, right, I'm sharing it with them, so make sure you do. That's enough of me rambling. Um, I just felt like I needed to say that, but it is a good episode like I I love chatting to Briony, it was fascinating, fascinating stuff and I say fascinating a lot so I know that's my verbal tick and I'm working hard on it so if you say it again get on socials and tell me off. Um, But if this is the first time you're here very very warm welcome to you, I hope you enjoy it, I'm sure you will. Um, Let us know your thoughts on uh, social media at 10 Interview everywhere and most importantly don't forget to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to. As I said earlier you know, make sure that if there's someone you think of when you're listening to this that you think would really get some value from hearing it too, make sure to share with them. Um You know, if we can benefit other people, inspire other people, that would mean the world to me. I'm sure Brian you too. So make sure to let them know. Anyway, I've rambled on enough now. So now on to the podcast. Bryony, thank you so much for joining me on this very sunny Friday morning. Is it sunny in Manchester?
1: It is indeed. Blue skies. It was raining earlier, yeah. so you never know.
0: <laughs> yeah, indeed. Beautiful. Um, yes, thank you so much. I know it's, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of your, no doubt, hectic schedule to come and speak to me. So thank you. I will move swiftly on, straight on to the first question. And you meet a stranger in a bar, restaurant, cafe, wedding, wherever it may be, or you're introduced to someone, what is it you're most likely to say to them that mm. when they ask what you do?
1: You know, there's a few different things I do. And I, I imagine every time I might meet someone, I might say something slightly different. Um, and formerly working in marketing, I still do some of that now. I recognize the importance of being clear on, uh, on what it is I do. So I feel that a simple way of describing that is that I help people get clear on what it is that they want both in life and business so focusing okay. on goals and some of the main tools there are around mindset coaching um, I'm also a meditation teacher and a breathwork facilitator so I focus a lot on well-being and do corporate well-being workshops and events as well oh interesting okay
0: um is that I like I, I have this habit of making mass assumptions on this podcast, and probably people listen to it and think I'm an idiot for doing so. But th- did that come from a position of learning that stuff yourself and implementing it into your day or your day to day life?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, i I mean, this is sort of leading on a bit further. I came to a lot of this knowledge and information just through my own desperation. You know, like really struggling with my mental health and stress at work. So I'd sort of stumbled into, you know, using a lot of these tools. And then it was so incredibly transformative. I kind of just kept going, you know, in terms of exploring more of these tools. And then I really love sharing things that I'm passionate about. And so I just started naturally sharing them with my colleagues. And I was in senior leadership positions um, in SEO uh, agencies and, I just loved being able to support my team and my clients, you know, in creating the best environment for us all to thrive. You know, it's such a a term that's thrown around a lot, Um, but we spend so much time at work. I feel it's incredibly important that not only are we emotionally supported, but we have the right conditions so that we can do a decent job, you know, and then we feel really good about ourselves. So yeah, I just kind of kept doing what I loved and then now I do that full time.
0: How long have you been doing that for?
1: So I've been working for myself full time for uh, just over three years and then it's from from about 2014 that I'd started implementing more work being, uh, work being, work being, (laughs) it's a new word I invented, (laughs) workplace well-being, (laughs) I'd um, been playing with that um, since 2014.
0: And what sort of change have you noticed, I mean, since 2014 and how businesses, I kind of, I don't want to say implement it because not all businesses do, but... um, how how businesses think about that side of things for their employees. Mm
1: -hmm. So there has been a big shift in the last few years, in particular, the last couple of years. And I feel that workplace wellbeing was something that was more of a would be nice to have, um, or quite tokenistic, you know, it's like, oh, we'll we'll give you like a, I don't know, like you can come in late one morning, or you've got this number you can call if you're feeling sad. Um, but ultimately, well-being and mental health, um, there's so many factors that contribute to that. Yeah. And there can be all sorts of reasons why come on someone comes unstuck or undone like I had done. And I feel that there's, you know, when senior leadership take these topics seriously and it's typically through their own lived experience because they know how brutal it can be and how challenging it can be to be in that yeah. dark place um, that they then sort of, Make a conscientious effort to actually provide proper support for people, which doesn't look like a one day workshop once every 12 months. You know, I think for me, it's much more um, little and often and supporting people through their own personal growth. And I think certainly the pandemic, you know, that level of um, change and pressure that was put upon everyone all at the same time such a unique scenario. And I feel that that really shone a light on just how important it is to, to um, have tools to support your mind and your well being. And yeah. if you don't know what those tools are, it's a very hard place to be. And I say that from bit having been there, <laughs> you know, um, and struggled okay. a lot in the past. So I feel like employers are taking it more seriously. I think places that don't, um, the message I always have for people is, you don't need to stay there. You know, if someone doesn't take it seriously, doesn't see the value in the quality of your human experience at work, then you don't need to stay in that job.
0: I mean, interestingly, I guess from a business perspective, it makes sense to have your staff and your employees firing on all cylinders, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Because as in, I guess what I'm trying to say is a short term view might be, I don't want to spend money on this for my staff. Whereas the bit of the longer term view is if you do spend that money, then you know, without sounding, start making the staff sound like, you know, cattle, like you're going to get mm-hmm. better quality work, better productivity, better everything, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I've often thought that, you know, even if you're not altruistic, you know, even if you're not a boss who's all like heart-centered and you care about yeah. people's feelings, um, yeah, ultimately the bottom line, like you're going to, you're going to benefit from say lower staff churn um, and like greater productivity and also creativity. You know, if we're talking about, I often do sessions with um, digital marketing teams or or other high-performing teams. And ultimately, you know, you're not really billing time. Yes, practically speaking, you are. But it's actually, what what are you doing with that time? You know, it's that focus and that creativity. And if you have staff that are strung out, stressed out, disenfranchised, you know, not feeling like they matter, you know, I don't know how much you're really getting out of them. So even if you don't really um, invest that much, you know, into uh, believing in the value of taking care of people in that way, then at least the bottom line will reflect that in the long term.
0: Yeah, I mean, are you finding that people, I mean, I don't know what your marketing strategy is and I don't know how you sort of approach, you know, getting clients and stuff, but are are you finding a switch in a sort of the inbound outbound approach to your business?
1: How do you mean, sorry?
0: well as in like are people coming to you more Mm
1: -hmm. than you
0: go into them to try and sort of sell in your services
1: sure sure um I would say almost exclusively people come to me um so most of my work is word of mouth um and also yeah just people seeing my content online and I've also had a lot of former colleagues reach out to me because they've seen both my journey and my transformation right they've sort of known me as being that bless me stressed out <laughs> taking on way too much work um and seeing me sort of struggle to then seeing you know uh, me in this in this place that I'm at now and i'm a big fan of you know i can speak in the language of agencies so they can see and understand how this is relevant to them yeah so that well-being isn't something that sits externally you know to their day-to-day yeah. And I'm a big fan of solutions that work fast, because often if we're struggling, we don't want to have to spend a lot of time working on something in order to see um, some kind of shift happen. So, yeah, most of my work comes through word of mouth um, and for me building this quality relationships is really important that was the case when I was working like full-time in agencies anyway like I love to build strong relationships and really uh, get to know like how best can I support teams and, and companies so I like to get under the skin of their business um just for context really so I have an understanding of their needs yeah of course
0: no it's, it's an interesting topic and it's um yeah, when I was asking you before about, you know, sort of getting the best out of your employees, I was trying to put that slant on it that actually it's not, you know, there are other ways of, it's not just about wellbeing, but actually it is about wellbeing, you know, Mm -hmm. and keeping everyone healthy and well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really important. And actually, I don't know if, if, I mean, I've been sort of working for, I don't know, my, my, my career, I guess has been 20 plus years now but it always felt like a total band-aid thing like you know you, you know you can have this or you can do this but it was more of a I didn't feel like a lot of businesses really bought into it it was more of a just a tick box exercise to try and you know say oh we're doing something mm. and so, so it's good to hear that a lot of businesses are starting to really push this a little bit more
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It really, it is encouraging. And I love to have frank conversations with, you know, the, like the senior leads or HR who I'm working with to arrange the session. Um, yeah. And I ask them questions, you know, about their pain points, but also like, what is their attitude around this? Because to be honest, I only really want to work with organizations who are taking it seriously as well, because I don't want yeah. to be part of the problem in terms of this sort of tokenistic approach um, and tick box exercise. And because of the nature of some of my sessions and the questions that I'll ask, I'm not afraid to lean into uncomfortable topics.
0: Do you do it as group sessions?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I also do, do one-to-one that, coaching as well.
0: All mm-hmm. oh, right. Okay. But yeah. when you do the group stuff, presume, do you do it mm-hmm. with teams as in like bosses? Yes. and? Okay.
1: So sometimes there'll be a decision made about who's in the room so that there can be an opportunity to speak more frankly about yeah. certain challenges. And what I found to be really important is how the session is framed. So for example, it's inviting people to take responsibility for where they're at and for their emotions, for their feelings, for their results um, and to acknowledge where, yeah, we do trigger the crap out of each other occasionally and wind each other up. Um, But we're coming at it from a place of um, trying to work together to make a difference. And I think when we have the right tools to navigate those conversations, Um, often the hardest conversations can be the most rewarding and it's a way to actually move through any kind of blocks that are there any kind of resentment um yeah and it's helping people understand themselves more and sort of mature emotionally by leaning into those conversations
0: no it's it's, i mean it must give you an, an immense level of satisfaction doing this right because i guess you get to see you know, we've all worked in companies where you, you do work, but whether you actually see real progress at the end of it is sometimes not the case, often not the case, I guess. Mm. You know, whether it's a campaign, whether whatever piece of work, it doesn't necessarily matter. You don't always see the end result or what it really does. But I guess you do see that pretty regularly, I suppose, hopefully.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, what can be very interesting is often as part of the work that we'll do, people suddenly become much more uncomfortable now, yeah. at first, that might not sound like a good thing. <laughs> you're like, "Oh, what people feel worse. But actually, no, they're, they're starting to have some deeper realizations come through. So maybe it's realizing that, gosh, they have been taking on way more than they wanted to. And they're beginning to see how they've kind of been the architect of their own suffering. Yeah. And that can be challenging. Or if you're in a leadership position, sort of starting to shift your perspective on on your behavior and the impact that's had on other people. know and that can be tough like our ego doesn't want to you know admit that we've been creating these issues or challenges um so it takes a lot of maturity I think uh and courage to sort of turn and look at ourselves and to see the ways in which we have yeah done or created situations that actually are less than ideal so For me, it's about sort of supporting people with recognizing like, hey, that's okay. Even if it's not okay, it's still okay. And that's a really healthy place to be in. Um, And it's actually nothing to do with the workplace. This is about you and your own personal growth and recognizing, um, yeah, where there's opportunities to shift and change things. Because ultimately it's about allowing more of your potential to come through and not getting stuck or unknowingly creating challenges for yourself when they don't need to be there.
0: Well, I guess at least, you know, at least they're doing something about it rather than carrying on the path, right?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think for me, and that's something that I had observed in myself, and then I see a lot in other people, particularly when you've got high-churn industry, you know, like um, SEO and digital marketing, is that people will just change jobs. Like if something's uncomfortable, they don't like a manager or the workload's too much or they don't feel seen or appreciated, they're not getting enough. Of pay rises whatever the reason they'll move yeah and I understand like logically that makes sense you're like well I'll just go somewhere else and I'll you know solve that problem but what can be interesting is over time and I guess with with people who are our age and older you start to sort of see patterns emerging and after a while it's like what's the common denominator here yeah. <laughs> you know and at some point we have to be curious about um where actually is there um, some kind of like self-limiting belief or a bit of a, a wound if you like so for example um like I sometimes have a self-limiting belief that you know people don't see me that they don't really fully understand me they don't fully appreciate me and without being aware of that little wound it's like I might change jobs quite a lot because I don't feel seen okay but that's not necessarily true And so what ends up happening is people keep changing, um, because they feel some discomfort, whereas actually it's not necessarily the job. It's actually more them. Yeah. Obviously both things can be true. You can be in an environment where it is triggering that wound. Um, and it, and it definitely is valid the challenges, but I think it's really important. We understand like, Oh yeah, why do I keep changing jobs and the same asshole manager keeps showing up?
0: (laughs) But it's also, I mean, that is important obviously, but it's also important from, um, your manager's perspective right because I always used to have this thing where I had anyone who worked for me I'd always try and work out what is the best way to sort of get communicate with them right because not everyone wants to be communicated Mm. some people like to be micromanaged some people hate being micromanaged some people you know need that arm round the shoulder, sort of encouragement all the time. Some people don't need it. And it's, mm. I, I think, I don't know where I picked it up from, but it's its something that I think we had, um was it, the Myers-Briggs uh, training in a, in, a, in a former team of mine. And it was just really interesting listening to everyone talk about, oh, you know, I am this kind of person and I'm this kind of, I mean, it was a team of, I don't know, 10, 12 people. Yet not one of them, I think, was the same as the other. And it sort of really highlighted to me that it's important that, you know, everyone's individual and everyone needs to be handled, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term, in a a different way to sort of really, I don't want to say the optimum out of them because it makes makes you sound like a total mercenary, Mm -hmm. but just, you know, making the workplace a good, happy Mm -hmm. environment for everybody, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And this is where, you know, we can ask people, um, I think sometimes like leadership or managers can assume they need to tell people like how things are going to be. And actually you can, you can ask. Um, and then, you know, I think this is where self-awareness is just the most valuable thing I think that we can cultivate in this life and um, you know, to know how do we typically manage and maybe what are some other styles we can try on um, and to, to ask and to sort of be perceptive, like how So say if you're a manager and, with your team like how are they receiving your management style and if yeah. someone's clearly a bit grated by you instead of taking that personally um you know it's about having a conversation in terms of checking in seeing is it something to do with home life or is it about work and then yeah. more just as you've highlighted you know um asking them you know what, what would best support you you know does that look like me just checking in once a week um or you know shall I just like Um, do it every day and and but being very transparent about the intention behind it um because if people know why you're doing something they're far more receptive you know to doing that and you can kind of work together to to um agree you know on what what that looks like and then people feel that they're listened to and that that you care about them and that you're interested in in trying to make this work for them as well so i really agree with you there about sort of you know um obviously there are at times when you need to um have a boundary around that I guess and you can't like adapt your style to absolutely everyone and that can tip yeah. over into people pleasing so it's also inviting people to sort of mature and step up to the plate as well and and recognize you know are you getting triggered because you think you're being micromanaged whereas actually it's the nature of this particular project that we need to check in regularly and actually yeah. that's an opportunity for the the person in the team to to breathe deep (laughs) and to uh, let go of that story or that trigger that's there
0: yeah it's a fascinating topic isn't it I mean you mentioned earlier that you sometimes have um, situations where you'll ask the business or the manager or the HR whatever why they wanted to get you in to do Mm -hmm. it and have you ever had times when it's not been aligned with why you think it should be done and then obviously not work with them as a result Mm
1: -hmm. No, I'm not I'm yet to have that situation. I think b- because some of the work that I'm doing is around like meditation and breath work, because it's giving people real time tools to to play with. Um, they're already like some way on board, you know, with with these kind of modalities. So, yeah. um, so yeah, me- uh, fortunately, yeah, to <laughs> meet an organization, you know, that don't aren't on board with that. Um, something I would say is sometimes the the culture that exists, um, is perhaps not really aligned to the intentions of say HR or the senior leaders who want the session but that in of itself is actually a glorious thing because it shows that they're trying to make some kind of change happen and they recognize that the culture in itself is not very healthy and so they're trying to make some kind of change
0: that's that's good to hear Mm. that's good to hear I mean yeah we've spoken at length now about what you currently do Mm -hmm. that's partly my fault for keep asking you questions about it but Mm -hmm if I move on to the next question then it's about more about what did you want to be when you when you were younger what Mm. did you want to be when you grew up
1: yeah so when I was reflecting on this um my first answer was like I can't say that and I was like yeah you can so um when I was little I did lots of child modeling and I it was you know late 80s early 90s so I was like I'm gonna be a supermodel um <laughs> and um, you know that's yet to happen you never know uh and it's never, um, too, late. It's never too late I can get my Derek Zoolander on uh <laughs> and uh, other than that other than obviously walking down the catwalks um, outside of that time I would be a marine biologist <laughs> Uh, and I think it was because the body shop were doing lots of campaigning about the environment and I love animals so that was clearly going to be what my career was going to be in between the catwalk obviously.
0: A marine biologist who models on the weekend.
1: (laughs) Yep exactly that.
0: (laughs) Well you're, you're my first guest to say they wanted to be a model which is uh Impressive.
1: Mm. Well, I think some part of me was like, Don't say that. It's gonna sound arrogant. And I was like, Yeah, but that's what little Bryony wanted to do, so it's okay. You said but you said
0: you did modeling when you were yes. younger. Yeah, from okay, when I was what, like a what, baby
1: till I was fourteen.
0: Okay, that's pretty Yeah. Long long span what what sort of modeling?
1: Uh all sorts really, like catalogues for clothes, different toys. I think one of the biggest ones I did was Adidas. Oh,
0: yeah. Wow, some of their okay. clothes.
1: Um I mean this you is got all... have
0: you got a scrapbook somewhere with all your old
1: pictures you know what no i actually only have a few i've got some enormous posters of me probably like age four playing with like a plastic oven or something um and i did get recognized once actually which was um only once and it was like i was on a beach i lived in hong kong and i was on a beach and this guy came up to me and he's like i saw you on the billboard i was like uh yes i guess it's me (laughs) it's very surreal that's
0: crazy (laughs) how did that come about
1: uh I don't know. I'll have to ask my mum. I think, I mean, living in Hong Kong, um, and I was a very squishy baby. So I think clearly I looked, they, they used to be a big focus on, you know, like Westerners and using them for advertising and marketing. So oh, okay. I think I was just a, it was a very sweet, squishy baby. And then, uh, obviously an adorable looking toddler. And it just kind of, you know, <laughs> once I was on the books, I was on the books. So <laughs>
0: And, and, and then after that, you wanted to be a marine biologist.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think once I got to about 14, um, that's when the awkward teenage years kicked in. And I was a bit like, yeah, felt my, I started feeling insecure and was like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore.
0: You're the second guest who's in, in recent history who's re, uh, used the phrase um, awkward teenage years.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Strange. Mm. Um, they, they were awkward. <laughs> were they? Yeah. <laughs> I won't put you on the spot and ask about awkward teenagers and um. What mm-hmm. about marine biology? Did you ever sort of go anywhere with that? Explore that any further? Hmm.
1: No, not really. Um, I mean, I do. I do love animals, uh, and I am a water baby. So I would say that the core passions connected to marine biology are still there. <laughs> yeah. Interesting,
0: marine biologist. I'll have to. i have to start keeping a tally of what everyone says, and then I can sort of see yeah. when we get to like the hundred episodes, we can see what's the most popular. <laughs> Make a good um,
1: infographic. <laughs> yeah, of course.
0: Link build with it. Link building, yeah. Um, interesting. I got my first link today on oh. the. Uh, I yep. just tweeted about it. I was well chuffed. Nice. I have um, a Google alert set up, and I sort of gone out of my way not to do. I mean I say gone out my way probably more the, the better phrase to use is lazy um and why I haven't done anything but it was a, a totally organic link in um it it's called like PR academy or something mm. I was well chuffed um, it works <laughs> it's <yeah>. happening <laughs> content marketing <laughs> who, who knew eh? <laughs> I wonder if you've already just told me the answer to the next question but mm. tell me something about you that not many people know
1: um it is something new so i love snakes i love snakes i think they're so cool do you Um, have a pet snake i do have a pet snake she's called marmalade and i've had her for 16 years um i've got two big snake tattoos on my back so i love snakes (laughs) and uh it was ever since i was a little kid um i've just always loved them like i've got a really clear memory of being in Hong Kong where I grew up and, uh, the sports center, <clears throat> there was, uh, one of the caretakers had found a very big Python. Um, and it How being big Hong Kong, big? It, uh, I'm talking like, you know, eight foot, 10 foot, if not <laughs> bigger. And, um, and it being Hong Kong, the caretaker had chopped its head off with a machete and, we, uh, me, and all the other little kids. I mean, I think yeah, I was about four years old. And um, could go and see it. Could go and see it. So it had most of its body was on the top of an oil drum. And... Hold on,
0: hold on. Sorry, I have to interrupt. <laughs> you were how old?
1: Uh, about four years old.
0: And they invited you to come in to see a decapitated. Hey, it was the late
1: eighties. <laughs> you know that kind of stuff went then. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. They did. The adults decided between them that this was a good idea, <laughs> and the children were on board with it. Um, I have a four-year-old daughter.
0: I'm just trying to process in my head how that would go if I.
1: <laughs> told her. If like this She'd is what life it, is. <laughs> life is pain. <laughs> no, um, we went to see it, and I just remember um, thinking it was so beautiful, and also feeling so, so, so sad because I just thought, oh, why did they do that? Like they didn't need to do that. And growing up in Hong Kong, you have snakes everywhere. Um, lots of snakes and I just always found them fascinating and loved them and my old sister was horrified and thought I was weird so <laughs> I can't really explain it it's just like ever since I was really little I just thought they're incredible and as soon as I was old enough <laughs> to get my own pet snake I did.
0: And what, what snake do you have?
1: So she's a corn snake um, which they're very amicable species and essentially she cuddles things to death because she's a constrictor.
0: How, how- big is she
1: uh she is five foot and a half so i'm five foot eight and she's nearly as long as me
0: okay <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah. is a, this is this is this is a thing for me to get my head around like I, i'm not a big, i'm not a, i'm not scared of snakes as such but the, the the logic of having as a pet doesn't quite compute in my mm-hmm. mind what, yeah i mean does she stay in the tank you know, you get her out on an evening and watch Netflix with her? Yeah, just
1: like, oh, no, she's just roaming around the house. It's fine. Uh, no, no, she has a vivarium, so a tank that she she lives in. Um, and I do take her out um, here and there. She's very, so Snake's brains aren't big enough to form an emotional connection. Um, but she is, say, used to my scent and has a, you know, a sense of familiarity with me. So she's pretty chilled. Um, and I might take her out and have her around my neck. And um, when she was little, I used to like sit and watch TV and have her in my hoodie in the sort of pouch in the front, <laughs> which is quite fun because then it's all warm. So she'd like to sort of chill in there. Um, but yeah, I bet so that I,
0: must, I bet that must freak people out when you. Breathe, when you <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, I remember in your once house. I. Um, uh i had her in yeah in my hoodie and then her head sort of started poking outside and i mean typically if i was sat with someone in the living room i would tell them that she's there if they you know because it, it feels feels like a courtesy <laughs> just, like, yeah. just to let you know i've got a snake in my hoodie <laughs> and that's not a euphemism, euphemism. <laughs> um uh and yeah and i think someone once was like holy shit um sorry for swearing on your podcast <laughs> okay, uh but uh yeah so i try not to surprise people with her though because um yeah some people are really not a fan of snakes and i want to respect that and not terrify people with her.
0: wow that's um (laughs) it's always funny like i have obviously had these 10 questions which i ask everybody Mm -hmm. and you never know what someone's gonna say
1: Mm -hmm. there you go (laughs) how
0: fascinating yeah um and not many people know that about you
1: Um it depends on who we're talking to, which group of friends. Like I would say, my close friends and family know, and I would say, like probably work, work related people, few fewer people know that. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. um Moving swiftly on, <laughs> what's been one of the uh, the most pivotal moments in your life?
1: Mm. So I was reflecting on this, and I I've already mentioned that in um, it's around about in twenty fourteen that I really started. Um, you know, heading into the wellbeing space, already being in in a full-time role in SEO. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd say that that was a sort of pivotal point. um, And that really came off the back of experiencing almost like daily panic attacks, um, waking up crying, going to sleep crying. uh, But I also couldn't bear the idea of anyone knowing. So no one knew, no one knew, apart from my boyfriend at the time. And that sort of lowest ebb, Um, Was really like the start of the the changing tide, and you know has led me to where I am now. Um, So I'd say.
0: So when you say no one knew, does that mean you didn't talk to any like even professionals, doctors?
1: No, no. I kind of. uh, For me, growing up, one of my mum's favorite expressions is "least said, soonest mended." Said. And she's sort of you know when we put into context like. Depending on how old you are, like our parents and that sort of boomer generation or younger, um, my yeah. mum's sort of like post-war, you know, um, generation. It's like you don't you don't talk about your problems because you know we've just been through a war and it was pretty devastating. So everything yeah. in your life is good. Um, and I say this with like love and respect towards my mum because she, she's just doing the best she can, you know, um, with what she was given. Yeah. And as a result of that, it meant that um, for me to talk about your problems or to talk about your challenges was deeply uncomfortable and the yeah just the idea of anyone knowing that I was struggling it just didn't feel like an option and I needed to fix it myself and that in of itself was part of the problem you know feeling like I couldn't talk to people and feeling like I there was something wrong with me but I needed needed to figure it all out on my own.
0: I guess even in in 2014 as advanced as the internet was back then like the resources available six seven years ago are nowhere near what mm-hmm. they are now are they
1: mm-hmm. yeah there's been such a huge shift in awareness and even the language people use talking about themselves and their own well-being and their mental health like there's been a huge shift in awareness um mm. and and I also think I had to sort of go through that that's that pain and that confusion and that low in order to be desperate enough to change basically
0: yeah I was, I was you know I was going to ask that and I was uh, i <laughs> kind of cautious how I was going to phrase my Mm -hmm. question because I didn't want it to sort of come across negatively but did you need to go through that I mean was it obviously it is the most pivotal moment in your life and you kind of wouldn't be where you are now without having gone through that and I I went through a similar similar kind of um, experience to you and I feel like that I hated every moment of it. Don't get me wrong; it was it was horrendous. And you know, when my mum was kind of saying things to me, like my mum's very stoic as well, in a similar way to yours. And you know, when when you hear when I heard her saying things that I would never heard her say before, then it was like, oh my god, like something's got something's got to change here. Mm. But I, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth because it's not the right thing to do. But I kind of. I look back on that stage now and obviously I'm not happy I went through it, but I can see where that point in my life was and now where it's led to how I am, where I am now. Mm. Very long winded way of, of asking you a question that I guess, but do you, do you feel similar? Is it a kind of, um, obviously at the time it's, it's the worst experience, right? But do you look back on it in a positive way kind of? <laughs>
1: like I'm so grateful it happened um, because I mean, I don't know where I would be now if it didn't but I might still be in a similar-ish place um, in terms of the type of work I'm doing, the beliefs that I had, the habits I had. And it was sort of by struggling and suffering, like I know what that feels like. I have the lived experience of that and so when i talk about well-being and i'm often very frank with people about the realities of when we're struggling and what that feels like um so this is not fluffy stuff this takes a lot of fucking courage and bravery and it's painful yeah. and it's scary and it's also so human like everyone struggles everyone struggles mm-hmm. and a myth we have is somehow other people have it all together and they're fine and you know it can really feed these unhealthy beliefs about ourselves and keep us, um, shut down and quiet when actually connection and talking to people about, you know, talking to the right people about how a feeling is, is deeply healing. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful it happened. And when I can look back, I can see it's completely not surprising given everything that had happened in my life up to that point, like I was going to have a breakdown at some point. And I'm just glad yeah. it happened then, <laughs> you know, rather than took another five years. Um, yep. And it's like I also know myself really intimately, or have continued to, you know, get to know myself. And I now know what the red flags are of burnout. Um, you know, I know what to do if I'm feeling stressed and anxious. I'm very well resourced. It doesn't mean that I don't feel afraid and yeah, anxious and scared and worried or panicked sometimes even. I just know what to do with those emotions when they're arising. And to me, I wouldn't have that experience had I not gone through those challenges. And in the last couple of years, you know, with the pandemic and there being lots of points of us being like, wow, this is fucking hardcore and (laughs) really intense. I was like, I'm so thankful that I have so much training and lived experience that not only can I support myself, but I can hold space for other people in the same way. You know, I can take care of myself and be going through challenges, and also be there for other people at the same time.
0: So on that note, for anyone who may be listening to this, who is in the same boat as you were in 2014, mm. um, and, and that could be at any level of severity, right? That could be, you know, I mean, I guess there's a whole spectrum of, of stress emotions. And I imagine there's lots of people going through it. So for anyone who is listening to this, who is somewhere on that spectrum today Mm. what would be your kind of your initial advice
1: Mm. so depending on where someone is at so if someone's in a really painful place being given solutions sometimes isn't actually helpful yeah I know that that can maybe sound like odd odd, an odd thing to say um so someone's in a really painful place it's more just um, helping them to sort of acknowledge that like, yeah, it's fucking tough. And like, what is it that you need right now? And yeah. can you give yourself what you need? I'm a big fan of self-compassion, you know, that is to be gentle with ourselves. And I think pretty much everyone is their own worst critic. And yeah. if you're already struggling, it's a bit like you've got an open wound and you're just jabbing at it, you know, when we're criticizing and like, I should be feeling this, I should be, I, I should know better, I, you know, it's like, hey, you are where you're at. And to admit that isn't weak. Um, it's really important as part of the the journey of then, right, so why are you feeling this? You know, um, so first step is almost that acceptance. And I would say by being kind to yourself and, interrupt? can i just, from... interu- can I just mm. interrupt
0: there sorry mm-hmm. so as someone who's been through similar and i i don't know if the answer i'm looking for is is available right because mm-hmm. what i'm kind of thinking when you say that is in my head it's, it's very hard when you're in that position mm-hmm. to sort of look at stuff um realistically or uh what's the word i'm looking for or um uh, rationally
1: mm-hmm.
0: and is there a way of like is there something that someone should do because to say oh you know to acceptance or not to blame yourself mm-hmm. uh, and you're right and i'm not listen don't take this as me as disputing anything you're saying at all it's not it's just i i kind of sometimes feel like um is is there a solution or is there a first step that because when we're in this position, we don't think rationally, do we? And we Mm -hmm. don't think logically. Mm -hmm. So is there a first step for someone to do, um, to kind of try and get over that hurdle? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I kind of feel like the answer is speak to someone, but I don't want to, I'm obviously not qualified (laughs) in this.
1: Mm. Well, firstly, I would say that as a human being, you're having a human experience. So that already gives you some qualifications. Okay. <laughs> um, um, I actually first and foremost would say, uh, breathe, breathe more deeply, slowly, because as you beautifully highlighted there, when we're in an elevated state, so essentially when we're feeling burnt out, overwhelmed, we're in a fight flight response yep. and essentially your nervous system is jacked up. Your body is just like pumping out all sorts of hormones. And as, you're right. We can't think clearly, and yeah. when we're in that elevated, like, hyper aroused state, we are we are supposed to take action. Like we are, it's all about taking action to to like get through the threat or to resolve the issue. But what can happen is we just keep taking action and we get and get addicted to doing and this cycle of doing and never ending to do lists. Yeah. So, I know slowing down is very hard for a lot of people, and it, it was very painful for me to learn to slow down. I would say that, you know, in the space of two or three minutes, you can actually shift down through the gears, so to speak. In just, just for
0: of, clarity, sorry. When when you say slowing down,
1: mm-hmm. what
0: do you mean by that?
1: So I would say if you're sat at your desk working, if you're able to like excuse yourself for a few minutes, ideally get outside or I was a big fan of going to the toilet and <laughs> doing breathing there, which is very glamorous, um, yeah. but taking it to remove yourself from the situation that you're in you know, to sit quietly for a moment. Um, I understand that that might increase the levels of anxiety that are there because you're actually finally turning inwards and going, oh wow, yeah, I'm really feeling a lot right now. Um, And to engage in some simple breathing exercises to try to regulate your nervous system. Because if you're trying, as you highlight, to take action in that frantic place, that's when it's like, I need to quit my job. Or I can't do any work. There's too much on. Or you know we're just we can't think clearly, and anything small becomes massive. Yeah. So almost like you know something that could be very simple that anyone can do is to um, breathe a bit more deeply. And this is what also you know panic attacks, asthma attacks, anything like that, um, or even high performers. So if you're an athlete, you know a public speaker, what do they do? They breathe. You know, so you're regulating your nervous system, which will essentially maybe give you enough of a window of clarity that you can start to go, right. Yeah. Speak to someone and the action of speaking to someone else, especially if they're calm and grounded, actually our nervous system will feed off of them Yeah, because we're designed as, as the human animal. We pick up on the energy of other people because it's in our interest. If one person's freaked out, we don't want to have to wait for them to turn around and tell us that. So just like herd animals, if one of them is spooked, it, passes through like lightning speed to the rest. It's right. like we pick up on other people's vibes. So if you're feeling very overwhelmed, you know, find someone who you feel safe with that you can express yourself freely. And as I say, I really need to get this off my chest. or I need someone to speak to, I don't know what to do. And just allow yourself to vent, you know, to release. Crying is okay, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. You know, you need to get it out of your system. And once that's happened, you know, you can work together with them or on your own to start to think about, right, what actions need to be taken to take better care of yourself. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's a big it's a big thing. It? I mean, I guess there's two, two levels to this. Like, it's obviously the stuff when you're at your desk and you need that five minutes of free breather just to go and sort of have a little bit of a reset. I kind of, I guess in my head, I'm wondering about, like, you know, you mentioned earlier about sort of crying self to sleep at night and then mm-hmm. obviously again in the morning, waking up in still emotional and I've been there, right. And and the dread of having to go into the office and it's, it, is there a different approach in that situation that, because you're right in what you're saying, right. You know, quitting is not always the answer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I, I, feel, I feel like, and again, I, I'm not educated anywhere near as well as you are on this, Like, if you sort of can identify something before you step into the, the office that might be the, the stressful environment that exacerbates mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. then you're almost in a better position mm-hmm. or I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I, I've seen it as two different um, situations mm-hmm. sort of in, in, in the environment and mm-hmm. obviously, pre and post going to the environment.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I, I definitely used to get, I call them the Sunday blues, you know, at about like say four, three or four o'clock, I'd start going, oh, like start feeling this sense of dread in my belly yeah. um, about the week ahead and find it really hard for my mind to just be think constantly thinking about work. Yeah. So I understand what it's like to be in that place. And what comes up for me is about um, being clear on your sensitivities and your triggers. And so for example, I mentioned earlier that, you know I might have a belief that people don't see me they don't understand me. Um, and it's like, if I'm in a particular environment say where there's a manager or a leader who's very like, um, not particularly engaged with me like doesn't give me regular feedback isn't kind of checking in a lot isn't saying, hey, job well done like love languages, that's a great thing to explore. Um, basically words of affirmation like telling me you're doing a great job yeah, I might start getting in my own head about it and going, oh my God, they're not checking in with me. They don't care. They're not seeing me. I'm doing all this work. And hey, I could get paid more being over there. So we, we kind of start getting in our head about things and we basically make up stories, whether they're true or not, it's a different question. Um, yep. Instead of starting to recognize, well, what are my needs here? And sometimes they're like legitimate needs in terms of wanting to, you know, why do we want to be recognized? Why do we want to be praised? We want to feel like we matter. So it's like, can I give that to myself first, you know, in terms of going, I matter, I'm important, I know my worth. And then also, you know, be communicative in terms of saying to your manager or leader, hey, you know, it actually means a lot to me when someone gives me a little thumbs up and, you know, I know it might seem something small but actually to me it means a lot, you know, to receive that, Um, you know, it's up to that person how they want to receive that, that request. Um, But ultimately it's like small things like that can add up to a big difference. So I would say knowing yourself, knowing what are your triggers, you know, the typical points that you get worked up about, because if you can notice that, if you know that that's a trigger, then it means that when your environments where that does get brought up, you can work on yourself then to either resolve it internally or to make a request from someone you know, to, to kind of like help you feel more balanced in, in, uh, in the day-to-day workplace.
0: Yeah. I, I just, something just cropped into my head that you were working in marketing when you experienced this in 2014. I was working in marketing when I had my, my period of a similar, mm. are, you, are you seeing this? I'm, what I'm trying to work out is it, is this a marketing issue or is this just, um, a confirmation bias because you and I both worked in marketing mm-hmm. and I mean so are your clients marketers and you see a lot or are you seeing it in other industries as well
1: mm-hmm. I see it in all sorts of industries right, um, And okay. I would say it's in, um, connected to the nature of our workplaces and technology and there's all sorts of different factors um, you know by work I've had clients like The Telegraph and Lloyds Bank and EY, as well as digital marketing consultancy. So quite a broad spectrum.
0: Right, okay. So it's not just a marketing issue then?
1: No. I mean, what I think is uh, probably a common factor across the board is where you have a high-performance team. So there's basically a high workload, quite varied and multidisciplinary tasks. um, And particularly when there's a client Um, relationship involved. My um, last role before I worked for myself was operations director. And I love processes (laughs) because I see them as ways to kind of shape and guide, you know, that flow of energy in the workplace. And without processes like, you know, and clarity on your boundaries as an organization or as a team, like clients will just take, 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 um, or you give, 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 give. So I think, I feel that um, working agency side and this is where it brought out the people pleaser in me like oh must do whatever i can to keep the client happy even if yeah. that involves working long days and weekends yeah. it's like i'm bending over backwards for this person that i barely know giving pretty much all of my life energy <laughs> to this person um and i would say that that exists you know in different industries and because we have mixed up success at work with our self worth yeah. um i know for me because of that belief that you know to be good at my job meant I was a good person, um, it it resulted in a lot of stress and overworking. And I see this across the board, you know, w- with lots of uh, people who apl- want to apply themselves, who want to have a successful life, and then they they mix up their self worth with their job. So if their job is going well, they feel great. If their job is not going well, they feel awful, um, and yeah. they see the solution as either quit or work harder. And both of those are not conducive to like long-term um, success in a sort of deeper definition of that.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's such an interesting topic. I, I, and you're obviously very well educated in it and very knowledgeable in it. And I feel like, you know, you could have a podcast about just this topic and it could be for hours and hours and hours and hours. So, But I guess that the takeaway from it for someone who is in this position is talk to someone, right?
1: Yeah, talk to someone, um, yeah, be kind to yourself, love yourself enough to change rather than hate on yourself, <laughs> you know, in terms of like, um, you know, you're struggling, you're weak, therefore you need help. It's like, no, no, no. it's like, look, you're a human being and we all come undone at different points. It's gonna happen at some point <laughs> to someone in some way. And this is your time. And within mm. the the seeds of all this suffering is like huge transformation and self-knowledge available to you. There was
0: a quote I saw and I can't remember it was and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was basically um, you wouldn't let someone talk to you the way you talk to yourself or something like yeah. that. And it, yeah. basically what it was saying is like, you know, yeah. you can be your own worst enemy and if someone mm-hmm. else was spoke to you that way, you just wouldn't have it.
1: Mm -hmm, Exactly. And I'm a big fan of exploring both how the mind works, you know, similar to like, if you want to be a good SEO, you've got to figure out how search engines work. Right. And like understanding websites. Well, we're all human beings. We've all got a mind. Um, so it really serves us to figure out how they actually function. Um, and I think that if we're trashing ourselves internally, which I used to do a lot, um, and I still can have quite a harsh inner critic that flares up for me. It's knowing that these thoughts aren't really yours. You know, this was a belief that was set up at some point in your past, a parent or a sibling or a a friend or a teacher, someone said something to you and you internalized a belief at that point. And those beliefs will show up again and again and your self-talk will reflect that it's not actually you, you know, it's not you. It's that's like a CD you know, playing in your, in your, in your mind and, um, and similar to SEO, you know, if we're talking about optimizing websites to rank for certain terms, you know, if you're telling yourself uh, you're a piece of shit, you know, and you're you know, affirming that internally or I'm weak or I'm worth this or I can't do this or people are laughing at me or no one cares about me, like that's gonna show up externally, you know, in your life you know, whether that's yeah. like poor mental health, poor physical health, not taking good care of yourself, not going for promotions, um, not saying no to things. So it's like, we need to change that self-talk just like you optimize websites. You start to you know go, well, what do you want to rank for? It's like, what do I want to believe in my life? <laughs> you know, what do I want to focus on in my life? And it's like, you need to start to focus your conscious attention on those things because yeah. where we focus our attention, it's going to grow. And at first, yeah, you might not believe certain things. And yeah, you might feel silly, affirming, I mean, positive statements. Um, but I'd rather feel silly and have a healthy mind, you know, than be cool and <laughs> not use affirmations and be mentally tearing myself apart. Is
0: there um is there any resources or books or YouTube channels or anything like that you can point people in the direction of to sort of find out more about this?
1: Mm. Oh yes. <laughs> I'm like sat on so many resources. Um, but we are so fortunate. Like there is so much incredible information out there about these topics. Yeah. I feel like in the UK as well, like personal development. I know that I used to feel kind of um like, yeah, I'm a bit too cool for that stuff. And it felt yeah. quite um for me, it felt quite like almost American or cheesy. I'm just being honest, like that's what I kind of felt it was. Um and there's just so much value and some of this information is so old. You know, some of it goes back to like Hindu philosophy, which is five thousand years old. You know, some of it's like the Stoics you mentioned earlier. Your mum being yeah. quite Stoic, so that's like you know ancient Greece, so two thousand-ish years ago. Um, so I'm a big fan of um, if you're wanting to f- explore more around philosophy and well-being, then the School of Life is an amazing YouTube channel, and they have incredible resources. I've also done. Um, a lot of coaching and training with a gentleman called Bob Proctor, and he actually passed away earlier this year, but he spent about 60 years, um, working on human potential and how the mind works and particularly the subconscious mind. So I'd say, check him out, Bob Proctor. Um, and then finally connected to meditation and he's got loads of content online is Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he's, a um a very big influence in the sort of meditation space but coming at it from a place of real empowerment and understanding the science of the nervous system and um and really the power of our conscious awareness
0: okay all right i will i link to all those in the mm. show notes any you think of after feel free to send oh them yeah us.
1: i think i've got a whole list to be honest because the question i get asked a lot should I create a blog post about it do you, have, do you it? have
0: something on do you have i was going to say do you have a resource on your own website or something yeah. with all these links on
1: I definitely do. Okay, well so share, share
0: that with me. I will And then do. I'll share that. And then obviously Thanks. it makes it easier.
1: Great. I've actually got well, one piece I'll mention is um, it's like six ways to de-stress the mind and body. Um, okay. And so it's like six particular tools that you can use pretty simply. So I'll share that with you. And ah, cool. in my blog, I've got loads of resources, like every... I've got a weekly newsletter called Friday feels where I always include like a practice, a teaching, a quote, a song and a client win that's inspired me. So that's my way of sort of sharing because there's so many different strands of knowledge that I play with, um, that I like to share. So I'll, I'll share that with you.
0: Oh, nice. Excellent. I will link to everything. Thank Um, you. What's the most valuable lesson you've ever learned? (laughs)
1: I feel like we've covered um, so much of that already. Um, If
0: we have, I mean, if that is your answer, then fine. I mean, we have covered a lot. um, Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, one thing that's actually, um, I'm showing that I'm tuning into now is actually about the importance of nutrition and taking care of our bodies. Um, Right. Because because I was historically really interested in mental health and then that's kind of transitioned more to human potential and thriving. Um, Yeah it's like nutrition is a whole area I hadn't really looked into until the last I guess two years and it's like the increase in attention and um, emotional regulation and also some physical health improvements has been massive um and I mean I love cakes and chocolate um but it's so I definitely still you know stuff my face here and there but um but yeah discovering more about the power of nutrition and how it supports our body and our cognition. Um, it's been a game changer. And I think it's an area that's often, um, you know, I know for me it was overlooked for a long time. So I'd say one of the most valuable lessons is, uh, I think it's a, might even be an ancient Greek quote about, you know, let food be thy medicine. And I really feel that, um, that there's a lot to be learned about the power of the food that we eat because ultimately it's what's fueling the creation of your body, the ongoing, you know, not only maintenance, but the creation of cells and yeah, to do with like the quality of our cognition and our long-term health.
0: Yeah. I'm a big proponent of that as well. And like mm-hmm. you, I, I I don't give up. I have a, a ridiculous sugar addiction that
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm constantly battling, but interestingly, there's a guy I follow on Instagram and he was, he did this post recently and it was about his transformation. It's like a 10 year, 15 year transformation. And, and he's he's an ultra runner. But he was saying one of the biggest catalysts to him sort of turning his life around was the fact that it was when he um, started thinking of food as fuel mm-hmm. and nothing else. And he, what he was saying was like, you know, basically he used to eat whatever. And it was, it was like obviously all these hormonal triggers and, and mm-hmm. whatever going on. And then as soon as he changed his mindset around, right, it's a fuel and it is, to your point... It's there to make my body move from here to here. It's to regenerate, to all this stuff, and you could see it in his pictures. I mean, you know, he was overweight. He was obviously not looking after himself. You know, like many of us, many of us do. And he said the same thing. He goes, "That's that. That's what changed my life. Was mm-hmm. my relationship with food and what mm-hmm. it was there for."
1: Yeah, yeah I guess I we're tricked,
0: aren't we, with all this fancy packaging and all this, oh, yeah, shit, process stuff going into it. I and- know.
1: And it also really sucks that, you know, fast food is essentially subsidized by the government because they have like sugar, dairy and um, red meat uh, tax breaks and um, and all the stuff that's organic fruits and vegetables is really expensive. So yeah. it's like, we're not sort of well set up to support human health um, and thriving. And, you know, I say this not being some kind of saint, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm very much on a journey of health and gradually improving things over time. And this has been a journey of eight years, you know, and I'm constantly, in the same way in SEO, I might optimize a website and there's like new things you're doing all the time. It's like I'm yeah. gradually making changes to myself over time. Um, and I my physical appearance has also um, changed. And sometimes people, who I've known for a long time might be like, oh wow, you know, what diet are you on? And I'm like, I'm on the diet of breath work and meditation, baby, <laughs> and juicing. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not on a, I'm not on a diet. I'm trying to uh, be more conscientious about what I'm eating. I've explored fasting, um, yeah, juicing, um, but coming at always from a place of really being gentle with my body, listening to my body and my physical appearance might change, but that's not yeah. what I'm after. I want, it's about how I feel and really tuning into my body sensations. Um, and when I do that, you clear out the body, right? Because how do you rely on your intuition? You know, if you're exhausted, I was going to ask you that exact question. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. done?
0: Um, have you ever done any of those tests that sort of modi- uh, monitor your blood work or your your mineral levels or your vitamins or any, yes. any of that? The reason I ask that is I I'm looking at one at the moment and I'm just trying to decide whether I want to spend the money on it yes, because yeah. they're not cheap.
1: No, yeah, I have, I've used Thriver um several for a few years now. And actually it was through Thriver that I discovered that I had a hormone imbalance, uh, sorry, a thyroid um issue. And when I went to my GP, they said, there's nothing we can do. All that will happen is at some point we'll put you on thyroxine. And then I found out that loads of other women I knew who were in their like mid thirties to forties were all on thyroxine. I was like, what? Fortunately, I knew someone actually who's, who's in the SEO industry who had been through a similar thing and she'd managed to turn it around with diet as in with um, okay. uh, focusing on nutrition. Now, big caveat here. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not qualified no. to give advice on this. It's just talking about my experience. So yep. I did ask the doctor, I said, can anything be done with nutrition? And they said, no. And uh, Now they're just doing the best they can with their awareness. And there's yep. very little nutrition training, you know, as part of for a lot of GPs, um, or at least it has been historically. So I, because of a friend experiencing a shift in her health by focusing on nutrition and changing um, her thyroid function, I thought, I'll give it a go. Like, you know, I may as well try. And then, yeah, yeah. it was through nutrition, I managed to turn that around. So I see it as... Well, what, what
0: exactly was it that, that you, did you exclude something or yeah, start so adding something?
1: I already follow a wheat and gluten-free diet because I've got um an intolerance, but I've known about that for... Ooh, about 18 years um okay. and I first so I worked with a nutritionist and I think that's really important as well and we did a fasting mimicking diet for five days so that's really reducing um the input of food it's almost like allowing a reset to happen and yeah. then I did so, the whole... you,
0: so you fasted for a five whole days
1: uh so it's fasting mimicking so it's basically where you're eating I think it's just 500 calories a day um uh, but that's with the intention of just sort of almost clearing out the body. Um, okay. and then I followed the whole 30, which is, uh, an, an elimination diet of sorts where yeah. anything that's kind of known as uh, potentially causing inflammation is removed. And then after the 30 days, you start layering things back in and I did blood work obviously before, and then like a couple of months after that, and there were significant, uh, changes in the markers connected to inflammation in my body. Um, and I've actually managed to reverse several autoimmune disorders that I was diagnosed with just off the, I say off the back of nutrition, but also stress management, um, you know, getting good quality sleep. So our bodies always want to come back into balance, you know, that homeostasis. I I,
0: I find this topic fascinating, like really fascinating. What, what, um, so is there something you stopped eating as a result of that reintroduction of? Inflammation stuff, Mm -hmm. inflammatory foods.
1: Sure. So I know what causes inflammation for me, which is sugar. Um, I follow a wheat and gluten free diet, but it's anything if it's like wheat and gluten free pasta or bread, any processed foods. Um, uh, I don't really eat dairy anyway, but basically, dairy. So all those things kind of don't gel well with me. And it's not saying that I'm a saint and I never eat those things, but I really try to minimize them. And when they start creeping back in, I can feel it because I feel more sluggish. I tend to have more low moods. I even notice puffiness around my eyes. And when we wake up in the morning, we've got like those puffy eyes. Um, you know, that's, that's information, right? That's all that fluid. <laughs> your body's trying to work with the yeah. lymphatic system to drain it out.
0: Yes. I was going to, yeah, I'm I'm curious. I'm really curious about this topic, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny going back to your point about organic fruit and veg being Mm -hmm. expensive. It's it's Mm -hmm. also expensive to get tests to start identifying this. Yes. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's obviously counterintuitive, right? Because if everyone, if everybody started going to get these tests and found out what you found out, then I guess the knock on effect is a, a huge reduction in stress on the health system.
1: Mm-hmm. and I'm
0: talking you know I'm talking at a very macro level here obviously mm-hmm. but yeah I'm it's funny I'm, I'm really curious about doing this stuff as well because I I think especially as you get older you start getting like I do a lot of exercise and I get injured and stuff and I find that you know there's certain my knees and my ankles kind of get injured and part of me is wondering how much that is due to um inflammatory foods or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. diet related and i'm not saying it is or isn't i've got no idea but it's it feels like it might be
1: yeah 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 and Um, other things i've been exploring really with um my body's potential are things like especially being trained in breath work like i've trained myself to exercise just nose breathing um so no breathing in and out through the mouth because that's essentially over breathing and
0: um mouth mouth breathing is very um hot topic at the moment mm-hmm. isn't
1: it yeah definitely and i even mouth tape at night which i was gonna I, ask that
0: do you do that yeah
1: i do yeah <laughs> and i've been doing it since i think it's december 2020 and i think i've only missed three nights um <laughs> i like i find it comforting now and you know it's it, i remember when someone first mentioned it i was like that sounds bonkers and totally dangerous yeah. i'm definitely not doing that uh, and yeah. then the person that i did my breathwork training with who i really trust she's very clued up on all the science Um, and even even a medical doctor, she was talking about it. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a go. Um, And just for anyone listening, it's not duct tape over the whole of your mouth. (laughs) It's just like, it's a little, like almost like, you know, a centimeter and a half of tape that I put vertically across the center of my lips. So if I needed to sneeze, you know, open my mouth, cough, my mouth can open. It's just enough of that um, tension just to gently keep the mouth closed. Because uh, when we're mouth breathing, we release a lot of uh, moisture. Um, we're obviously, you know, we don't have all the filtration that happens with the nose breathing. Um, yep. So you will but just any, anything can just come straight into the lungs. It's like and the then, temperature
0: as well, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. the temperature when it comes through your nose, yep. it, it gets to your body temperature quicker exactly. than if it comes through your mouth.
1: Yeah. And there's also the generation of nitric oxide when you breathe through the nose. And yep. that's a, a blood gas, which... It's a vasodilator, so it's going to lower your blood pressure. It also supports your immune system, um, and actually, your gut biome starts in the in the um, nose, in the nasal cavity. So there's all sorts of benefits that come, you know, with nose breathing. Um, I understand because of things like deviated septums, broken noses, allergies, there can be challenges that come with that. Um, yeah. so it's also not judging yourself, you know, if, if it's really challenging or not available to you, like there are yeah. other ways to, to work with that.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I've been reading a lot about that as well. Yeah, And I haven't quite got to the, um, mouth tape at night yet, but I'm very much conscious of how I breathe.
1: Yes. Yes. I and send I, send I you think some people fall into
0: this. two camps, don't they? Right. You're either predominantly a mouth breather or a nose breather. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think... No, go on.
1: I was just going to say that I I definitely was a mouth breather before with exercising. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm just aware of how I breathe every single moment of every single day. <laughs> like even cycling home earlier today from the gym, I, I could tell my nose was a bit blocked because I'd eaten some chocolate the day before. Uh, so I could sense my nose was a bit, because I think there's some information inside. So it's just like a bit harder to breathe through my nose, but then I just slowed down the cycling so that I could accommodate <laughs> that need
0: you're a fascinating person brian i'll tell you <laughs> that um i'll move on to the next question it's about uh are you all right for time i kind of I yeah move, of
1: course uh, i appreciate it. i'm waffling on sure. so thank you for your generosity with time
0: <laughs> no 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 it's probably it's equally me asking questions um because i think we're, we are talking about some pretty interesting topics that mm. are deserving of more than a, a kind of a, a 20 second answer mm. so as long as you're okay i'm okay
1: yeah yeah all good
0: okay i believe everyone has a superpower of some description what's yours
1: i would say curiosity curiosity very curious person um okay. and uh, so at university i uh studied physics because it was like i want to understand how the universe works um and then you know through my own self-inquiry of being like, why did I have a breakdown? <laughs> you know, How did I struggle so much? Um, you know, I've come to to do all these things and yeah, whether it's mouth taping, nose breathing, barefoot running, ice baths, like I want to try things out. I want to explore things. So I think- Are you that, a barefoot that, runner? Um, I'm definitely a barefoot hiker. I can run a bit. I've been being gentle on my knees, but I've got Vivo barefoot running shoes yeah i, um, I, I, I tried those as well
0: mm-hmm. i tried the vivo barefoot so it's interesting you say you're being gentle on your knees mm-hmm. are you suggest not suggesting are you saying then that barefoot running isn't gentle on your knees
1: no it's my knees in general so i've got right, very okay. tight tight thighs um and that's something that i'm working on trying to release because it sort of pulls up on my knees so it's just more like my body so. rather than the, the barefoot running
0: i have the same problem um mm-hmm all related to my hips and yes. the knock-on effect to my IT band and then my mm-hmm. patella tendon and it's the yeah. same thing, yeah.
1: I think it's lots of sitting on chairs because if you think about how short the hip flexor becomes from that posture, um, yeah. yeah, that kind of sitting down for long periods of time just shortens that.
0: Yeah, and I, do you know what else I find as well is when I cross my legs, so if I'm sitting on the sofa at night and I'm, you know, we're watching, I don't know, something on telly and I, and I sit there and cross my legs, I will feel it the next morning.
1: Mm. Like I
0: can just the strain it puts, like sort of coming mm. across your body. Don't really think anything of it at the time, but um Yeah. What was the yeah. other thing you said? You said uh, barefoot running and you said something else I was gonna ask. Ice baths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I am a, a new convert to ice or cold yeah. showers. I'm not gonna say ice showers, like sort of in between saunas and mm-hmm. whatever. What's what's your experience of ice baths?
1: Uh so I got into more like cold water immersion and then, yeah, as part of that ice baths. Um,
0: Is this a Wim Hof thing? So,
1: uh, it was actually, um, I didn't know about Wim Hof until, or maybe it all kind of happened about the same time. So like in early 2021, it was all very like lockdown-y and uh, I'd, I'd sort of set an intention at the start of every year, I kind of reset goals and what things I want to focus on personally and professionally. And one of them right. was cold water swimming because I love swimming, but I hate being cold. And I kept seeing people online doing it and it looked amazing. And I was like, ah, I'd like to do that. And just through stalking people online, <laughs> I met a really amazing woman and we started going together. And this was yeah February when I first started. So there was frost on the ground. The water was like two or three degrees um, going into lakes and reservoirs.
0: Are you in a wetsuit?
1: No, just swimming costume. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, and uh, would, would time myself, and it's really important with things like this to especially when it's that cold to go with experienced people who yeah. know how to get in and out of the water. And um, for me, safety is so important, um, because when I feel safe, then I can be brave. <laughs> so I am, um, yeah, just found uh, a huge elation off the back of that. Also, got into the sea and the Wirral around the same time, um, when it was just oh, I mean. freezing cold, so just the stimulation that happens you know to the body it's like a huge reset for your nervous system for your cardiovascular system there's like a big dopamine rush afterwards it's like jacks up 250 or something so it's a big natural high um and because of the I actually start I'd started breathwork training yes I guess yeah I wouldn't know about Wim Hof before I started breathwork training in February 2020 um that was a seven-month course and I was doing breathwork every day as part of that so it's really just another modality that focuses on the nervous system, um, and working with that. So I've learned to love the cold. My tolerance for it is massively increased. Um, and I'm not trained formally in this. It's really important to say that, um, just in a casual basis, like if people want to explore it, you know, I'm a big fan of, um, dipping with other people and, I've got a friend who's got an, uh, literally a red wheelie bin and I've <laughs> been like, can I come around to your house and get into your bin? It's like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, a uh, it's really good fun. And there's quite a few places I go to in around Manchester to, uh, to dip.
0: And have you noticed a, a, a difference as a result of, of doing it?
1: Yeah. So it's like things like, yeah, I said, I don't feel the cold as much anymore. Um, I enjoy getting up early and getting outside. Like I really want to do that now because my body's gotten used to doing that. Uh, because the body, so the cold and some breathwork exercises and lo- and heat, as you mentioned sauna, there yep. it's like stress on the system. So when we can consciously enter into, uh, or put the body into a stressful situation, but doing so, choosing to do so, knowing that we're safe, that we can do this, it really yep. builds like an innate resilience within us So, um, yeah, my ability to regulate my emotions is improved with breathwork and cold water. Um, and it's also cool. It's exciting being able to go to beautiful places in nature. You meet loads of new people. Um, so there's been so many benefits and I know that it's like, it's a lifelong practice now, like I'm not going to give it up.
0: Okay. I think in the interest of me not totally hijacking this podcast talking to you about uh, open water swimming and <laughs> ice baths, I will move on. But I might <laughs> um, I might hit you up on Twitter. Yeah, do to, it. To, to discuss that further. I, I kind of, I recently found a lake not far from me. So I did a triathlon a little while ago. And, nice. And the swim was in this lake, but it was all wetsuit driven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I went there for two or three practice swims beforehand. But what really amazed me, and, and this was... July so it wasn't exactly winter but what did amaze me it was 20 degrees which isn't that cold I guess but it's how many people were not in swimsuit, in swimsuit uh wetsuits sorry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was like oh there's got to be something in this yeah and this whole ice bath thing is really I've been reading a lot about that um there's a lot about the the proteins and stuff that get broken down in your body as and yes. when you do hot and cold therapy yes. and stuff but
1: yeah. I'm actually hoping to, um, cause I, I run retreats as well and I'm hoping to start to do more corporate gigs where it's um where we can do say some personal development work and then yeah do breathwork and cold water and i know some organizations where they could host that kind of stuff in terms of the the ice baths and the and because i can lead the breath work piece um so yeah so i'm hoping that can be something i can play with um soon. I
0: do. Where, where, where are your retreats
1: so there's a place in north wales where i typically run them or, or if they're one day retreats they can be in manchester But I've got another one coming, I've got uh, two coming up. So one in Cornwall um, at the start of September, which is a surfing and breathwork retreat. So I'm running the the breathwork side, but I'll also be surfing, which is fun. Um, And then, uh, yeah, co-hosting a retreat in North Wales, which is the theme of it is create your own reality, where we're exploring our own belief systems around like life and ourselves and different mind-body practices to um like shift and breakthrough blocks and there'll be cold water there's a beautiful waterfall there which is always cold no matter the time of year so we'll be uh, we'll be getting in that as well when's that one um it is the 21st to the 24th of october so we can retreat okay. and we'll be juicing it, there it? as well big on nutrition at <laughs> these retreats is
0: there space still
1: yeah there's still i think there's there's three more spaces
0: okay send me a link to that after. will <laughs> I might be interested in that yeah, one. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful space as well. My, I might even bring my wife.
1: Do it. It's, it's an off-grid um, eco-retreat as well. So the place is absolutely stunning. You can't see a single other house or person, just us.
0: Okay, yeah. So make sure you send me a link to that. I afterwards.
1: will do.
0: <laughs> okay, right. I kind of feel like I know the answer to this question before I've even asked it. But um, what topic is guaranteed to get you on your soapbox?
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, I guess everything we've been talking about now. So I it's like this human experience is so magical and so infuriating and so difficult and confusing and scary. Um, So I think just life, like it's a very vague answer, but it's like embracing the human experience and the more that we can learn about ourselves, the more empowered we are. And I think if there was almost like one error I'd want, to sort of talk more on it's like not being afraid to explore your darkness or your pain because there's always some kind of gem or um important lesson like at the core of it and not in a sort of spiritual bypassy way or toxic positivity but just like when we can dig deep into that kind of stuff we learn so So, much about
0: ourselves interesting you say that I don't know if you'd have listened to it but I think you'd like so the episode I did with um Catherine Morolo. Who, I didn't listen to that yet. Yes, I, I haven't will. listened to that one. I think you I think you like it. She's she's good and she's very interesting. But one of the things she said was about um I can't remember what question it was now, but we we she talked about how she surveys people to get them to tell her what about her. Mm-hmm. So it might be employees, it might be family members, it might be friends or whatever. And I I asked her that. Like, to me, that sounds like scary, isn't Like, I am I, obviously not in a place where I can, I'm ready to hear some of those feedback. Mm-hmm. And that's, and it's strange, not because I think it'd be negative feedback. I don't know. I've got no idea. But I was thinking to myself when she was saying it, it's like, it's, it's having that, she is prepared to ask those mm. scary questions, exactly to your point you're making, right? Is that she's prepared to ask those scary questions for self-improvement yeah and to look in those like I guess and I'm putting words in many people's mouths here but like sort of you know to go to those dark places because I guess that's where the answers are isn't
1: it exactly and something that um I invite my clients to do my coaching clients, which is something that I um, took from Kirsty Hulse, who is a good friend of mine, and we've co-created um, group coaching spaces together. Um, I'm,
0: try- I'm trying to get Kirsty on the on the podcast. Uh, oh, she's so she, great. Um, she 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 did agree mm-hmm. to it ages ago, and then has uh, since gone quiet. And but I imagine um, I'm DMing her in Twitter, and I think she probably gets a million <laughs> DMs and it's probably getting lost in the sea. But well, I can yeah, drop Joel, her sorry. a WhatsApp
1: after this and give her a nudge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, something that one of the many gems I picked up from Kirsty was this great um, question to ask people, which is, you know, to reach out to friends, families, uh, families, family, colleagues, um, and ask, you know, what are some of my natural um, skills, gifts, and talents? And I like to tack on to the end of that question. Um, you know, what are some of the areas where you feel I could improve? And okay. When I ask my clients to do this, if I haven't done it in a while, I do it again. And I ask, try and ask new people because I've asked quite a few people now. And what I'll say is two things. Like one, the feedback is never as bad as you think it's (laughs) going to be. Is
0: that because people aren't honest?
1: I suppose that that might play a role, but I think what it more indicates is like our inner critic is busy going, they're going to say all this, and then they're going to say yeah, that, yeah. and they're going to say this, and they're going to call you out on that, and so we get so what we said earlier up. right about yeah, we get in our head about to it ourselves yeah exactly, um and the second piece I would say is this is a wonderful exercise in expanding our window of tolerance, so our ability to be with discomfort and to practice receiving in, it's basically just information. And the way that um, it's framed in breathwork training that I've been part of is you're receiving protein. This protein helps us grow. Yeah. And I'd much rather someone highlight something that's awkward, challenging, but, you know, that I may not even realize I'd much rather someone like lovingly let me know about that. And if I find that triggering, that's also an invitation for me to go, you know, why is that hard for me to hear? Yes, our egos don't want to hear it. <laughs> and also there's a deeper part of you that's like, I want to keep growing. And actually that's really valuable. Yeah. And if you think it's all BS, that's okay. You don't have to take it on board, <laughs> you know? But it's like, take it as protein, and allow yourself to grow. Don't stab yourself with it, you know, in terms of like, ah, oh, someone says I'm not good enough. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, uh, what's the lesson for you to learn here? Does it resonate? Is it true at a deep level? If yes, yep. then yeah. How can you um, take that on board and integrate it and grow?
0: When you ask people to do that, what's the what's the general response?
1: I um, mean in terms of their reaction to the invitation? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. people are nervous; they're a bit scared to do it, and that's why I say I'll do it with you. You know, if I haven't done it in a while, um, but you're
0: quite. You're quite open-minded and i guess bought into this whole mm-hmm. methodology and and practice aren't you
1: sure i mean but i should say this has only come with practice right like i have felt insanely shy and also been terrified that people will say horrible things um so also get people to voice that you know we don't yeah. need to pretend that everything's fine you can say like i feel really scared about doing this because that in of itself is a great lesson unfolding for them. Yeah, It's like, why, what, and you know, why we're doing it as a group and you don't need to share it if you don't want to. So you've got that privacy, but then more saying you know, if this is very challenging, why is that there? Cause there might be that there's this part of us that's trying to protect us. And we're very scared that we'll get called out on something. Um, so it can be a really valuable exercise and yet yeah, expanding our resilience. Just and then actually the
0: exercise itself rather exactly. than what the results are yeah. yeah
1: totally yeah and then you know you know, practicing receiving feedback and you don't need to explain it you don't need to justify it you know can you just receive what's been said and say thank you do
0: people respond anonymously
1: uh the way i've done it because we have like five five you ask like five people so they would reach out individually um so there's not been anonymous responses and okay. to be honest i think it's I think it's important to hear it from, you know, to know who gave you that feedback, um, because I think that it's important that we have that level of transparency. Yeah, fair enough.
0: I don't know, now you're the second person to sort of suggest this exercise, maybe it's Mm. something I need to uh, think more about.
1: Well, something you could do is to also write down all your fears, doubts, and worries about yourself, (laughs) because it's almost like get it out of you, be like, right, what's the worst thing that someone could say about me? you know, most of the time we're kind of aware of, I, well, unless it's a complete blind spot, we generally have a self awareness, right? Of where, you know, I know I'm a bit crap with timekeeping. Um, I can be a bit hard on myself. Um, I can take on too much work. I can overwork. Um, I worry about what people think of me, you know, and the people who know me well, they kind of know that. So when yeah. I get that feedback, it just kind of mirrors what I already know but I should say that that's only come through experience you know I didn't magically pop out with <laughs> with all of that awareness it's through through to time and repetition and it feels deeply uncomfortable at first to to look inside or to ask people to share about you um but it's also very very healthy and very powerful
0: yeah i mean you just said something then about what people think about me and that that's something i kind of have struggled with for for a long time and interesting, I, I was talking to a, um, a previous guest about this very topic, and we were talking about uh, putting ourselves out there mm. on sort of um, social media and YouTube and, and XYZ and where else, and not doing it because of what people will think. And I, I was telling this person about how I had this one person in my head who was my kind of my benchmark, I mm. guess. And... And I said to her, I was like, there's no logical reason. There's no real reason why it should do. But I was always worried what he would think. And exactly to your point, when I finally did something and put it out there, he was the first one who came back to me and I love that. It was excellent. Like, you know, keep it up. Mm. I was like, oh, Mm. it kind of made me think about all the stuff I'd not done in the Mm. past. Mm. And I'm being a bit dramatic now, but there would have been things, certain lots of things. Because of what my head was, what this person would think. Mm -hmm. And actually, doing the exercise you suggest, I guess maybe is a good way of clearing the decks of some of those doubts without actually going through the process of, you know, do you mean just getting it Mm -hmm. done? Because to your point, most people probably won't think as bad as you think they will.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you say, you know, maybe you're being dramatic, but. I don't think so you know I think actually most people are wandering around with stories in their head with maybe something someone said once you know a a few decades ago (laughs) and they're carrying that around as a story and they're stopping themselves from doing something maybe that they really want to do.
0: That's that's, that's pretty on the money
1: actually. And so for example in the last two years um very fortunate. It was just before the pandemic started. So I'd had a couple of lessons in person, but I um started doing guitar lessons because I'd always loved the guitar and I also loved to sing. And when I was 11 years old, there was a pivotal moment, a bit of a sliding doors moment where a friend of mine in a band asked me, he said, Bryony, we need female singer. Do you want to join our band? And inside, like all my body was like, yes. And my mind was like, no. (laughs) And I said, no. And then that was like the no that stayed with me for whatever, 25 years. Um, And through just working on myself and noticing, questioning the beliefs I had. So I had a belief that I can't sing. And then it's like, but I want to. And who, yep. ca- who cares if I can't sing? Like I wanna do it for me. So um, I started doing guitar lessons and it's been just the greatest joy. Like it feels so good. I love learning something new. I'm good enough now to like hear a song and think, oh, I wonder if I can play that. And um, it's so gratifying and it's it's something so small but it means a lot to me. And it's it's kind of tragic. That people are wandering around with all these unexplored desires and wishes, yeah. and it's because a story, like something someone said to you once, that you know we've just internalized, and it's true. And it's like, no, it's not, <laughs> or is it? I don't know. Maybe I'm not the best singer in the whole world, but who cares? Like, I want to do it for me.
0: No, but maybe you're not. But it's it's almost doesn't matter, does it? So how do we combat that then? Because this is this is I feel like a really important topic, mm. right? Because you're 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 so right that every one of us is carrying around this narrative about anything and i'm sure you like me and everyone else who's listening to this has certain things in your head that you will think back memories you'll think mm-hmm. back to of someone saying something that if you said to that person oh do you remember when you said this mm-hmm. to me like in 2002 they'll think you're like drunk because they've got absolutely no recollection of it Mm. but it's something I mean I've got it right and I'm sure Mm. lots of people have how do we combat that how do we like there'll be times when some weird thing will just pop in my head that and I couldn't tell you why but there's no rational reason and there's no like I said it's nothing but it it will cross my mind Mm. of some random conversation from 20 years ago
1: Mm. Yeah, so a couple of things come to mind of how to combat this. And the first one is you said there are no rational reason and there's the clue there. Um so this is not the rational mind we're dealing with. Yeah. This is the subconscious mind, which is the emotional mind. And if we can start to be curious about the beliefs we have. So we, we often say them, Oh, I'm no good, you know, with money or, uh, Oh, I'm just dreadful at singing or, Oh, I'm so crap at what, you know, we just make these, we just say them out loud, these statements. Um, yeah. so I would first start to get curious about, you know, is there something that if you see someone else doing it, you feel this pang, maybe, you're, maybe you feel jealous, maybe you feel bitter, maybe you feel annoyed and you're like, oh, it's all right for them. It's like, that might be something that you want in some way, shape or form. And to be curious, are you telling yourself you can't have that or that's not available to you? Um, right. So to be curious about what either triggers you or excites you about other people, like what inspires you or or frustrates you about other people because that was gonna give you some clues about you and what's important to you. And then there's a really simple mechanic that I come back to time and time again, and I teach it to all my clients. And so if you've got pen and paper listening, you can always write this down now. So basically you can write like T-F-A-R down, and then it's like thoughts, feelings, action, reaction. It's a really simple way to sort of tease through the knots of all of our thinking and or shine a light into the subconscious to try to get clear on some of the beliefs that are there and do this without judging yourself. So it doesn't matter if it sounds like a hysterical <laughs> belief or like completely illogical or like it, it, some party is judging it basically. So you write down the thought. So for me, it's like, I can't sing. What's the feeling? The feeling is, mm, I guess, one of feeling flat, demotivated small, unconfident, like insecure. Um, What's the action as a result of those thoughts and feelings? Well, I don't sing. And then what's the result? I just am in this state of hesitation and like some part of me wants to express it but I'm not doing it and I just stay like that. You know, there's all that potential that wants to come out. Whereas if instead, okay, what would be another thought or what do I want to think or what do I want to feel or what, what would the opposite of that be? And maybe it's yeah. like, I can sing. Even if I don't believe it, that doesn't matter for the purposes of the exercise, right? I can sing. It's like, I can sing. <laughs> and then it's like, what would the feelings be? Mm, excitement, like hope, possibility, um, potential, like fun, play. And it's like, right, what's the action? Oh, I don't know. Uh, karaoke, um, <laughs> researching singing lessons, um, you know, practicing singing more when I'm listening to a song. And then yeah. what's the reaction? Like, right, it's all this liberation of energy that comes. Um, so to sort of play around with our thoughts and to, to know you can think different thoughts, like you don't have to just stay with what's there in your mind. It just takes some practice. You know, we can start to optimize, you know, our self-talk and notice when the thought comes up, I can't sing and be like, okay, okay. That's not entirely true though, is it? (laughs) Because I literally do have a voice. I've got vocal cords. What I'm saying is I'm afraid to sing in front of other people. Right. Okay. Well, don't worry about that for now. Just focus on, you know what I mean? So you can start to sort of shift your thinking and then work with whatever's available and you gradually build up that confidence and that, that, that actual genuine faith and belief in that new thought or feeling.
0: Do you know, it's kind of, um, again it's another topic i find fascinating and and one of the reasons i do so is obviously for myself for my own selfish um reasons but i've got two young girls mm. so i've got four year old and two year old but what i'm really conscious of is a how i talk to them mm-hmm. and you know wording that i use what sorry not just how i talk to them but how they are spoken to right so for instance, my wife and I, we, we never used to say be careful to them mm. because I, I wanted to get that phrase yes. banished because I, I don't agree that that's a good word yes. because and there's a whole different reason. But then the, the, there's, I won't mention any names, but there's someone in our lives who I believe speaks very um, without thought or without care. And what I mean by that is, she'll say stuff that I interpret as being ultimately negative.
1: Mm.
0: And already, I will hear it. So my daughter's four; should be well, should be five in November. But there are phrases she uses that I don't think a four-year-old should be saying. Oh, I can't do this, mm. or Daddy, this, this, mm. uh, this won't work because of this. And it, mm. it's a little bit upsetting, right? Because you you want to have that. You, I want her to have that belief that she can do whatever she wants, and and I guess the reason I'm sort of saying this is because it's just it's very powerful. It's very um, obviously it's important for your own self talk, but for me, I'm also thinking about oh, right, how can I introduce a phrase or sort of be conscious of this as and when I'm talking to her to say. You know to make to encourage to inspire to all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. it's so now again yeah you're bringing out some pretty big topics today
1: <laughs> yeah well you know what when children are age naught to seven their subconscious mind is completely open and so they're like just absorbing everything around them yeah. and i completely agree with what you said there about you know phrases like be careful um because some part of us wants them to be safe but actually in doing that we're creating a sense of hesitation within them and they need to fall down (laughs) in order to you know uh metaphorically and physically in order to kind of figure things out um and if we're constantly taking responsibility for other people and they they it creates a dependency and they don't have that self-confidence themselves um so obviously I don't know what it's like to be a parent it's such a like special time um particularly these early years and it's You know, so your self-awareness will pay dividends in terms of their future growth and what they believe about themselves. Because ultimately, yeah, they're just gonna parrot, pardon me, they'll parrot just what, whatever you say basically is what what they will believe, you know, for a significant amount of time. So the greatest gift I believe that we can give to children is about taking responsibility for ourselves and helping them believe in their potential and saying yes to things for, you know, not for them, sorry. You know, if they want to try something, sure give it a go yeah you can try that obviously things that are safe (laughs) in the sense of not going out part you say
0: that but i I agree with that then there's there's a phrase i keep hearing about is um letting your kids do dangerous things in a safe environment yes
1: yeah Uh
0: and it's kind of what you're saying right it's and it's something we do so it's not easy as a parent like Mm. it's, it's very hard sometimes to try and let them do these things like they want to climb up stuff and they want to but i i to your point, I'm very conscious about saying, no, don't do that yeah. or or be careful doing that because you, you, it's very easy to in, in induce a fear mm-hmm. in them that's
1: mm-hmm.
0: not rational yeah. or, or shouldn't be rational whatever. But
1: Yeah. And the irony yeah. being by protecting them, yeah, you create this dependency. They don't have much self-confidence. They're afraid and anxious of the world. They don't trust other people. They yeah. don't trust themselves. So it, we do them a disservice by um, creating this sort of bubble of safety around them. From a young age, and I know there's bigger movements now around trying to help like younger people and children to be out like playing, for example, outside and uh, you know yeah. unsupervised on their own, um, because like that's how we grew up, and people older than us. So this is the first generation, and <clears throat> they're seeing the impact of that, and it's not healthy. So it's no, about it's empowering them, you know, um, through letting them learn um themselves and also modeling that behavior yourself and uh, the way we speak is incredibly powerful
0: yeah we were talking about this the other day actually when when I was a kid I'm a a little bit older than you but when I was a kid like in the summer holidays uh, you know my mum used to just pack me off on my bike and she Mm. wouldn't see me again till five six o'clock that evening yeah and we used to go I mean all over the place and it was great and I look back fondly on those memories because Mm -hmm. you know they were they were what sort of shaped me growing up and everything and it it was great and now as a parent I'm thinking oh god would I let my Mm -hmm. 10 year old daughter Mm -hmm. go cycling for the day and you know not I don't know I'd like to think yes but the truth is I don't know It's, it's 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 horrible yeah. And it's um, like, it's
1: interesting, our perception of the world, because what is real versus what has been repeated 100%. at us constantly. So 100%. I'm not saying that there's not challenges or dangers out there. It's just more thinking that we have this perception, like in some ways where the safest things, things are the safest they've ever been. And that, yeah. and there's always also always been challenges, but it's through that repetition again, you know, to rewire the brain. What do you do? Repetition. So if you're repeatedly, looking at the news and you're repeatedly being delivered information, which will focus on, you know, what enrages us, engages us. So it's like, they'll focus on um, those news stories that will capture the, you know, create a fear response because then it keeps us hooked. Then of course that becomes your reality. That's all you can think about. And yeah, of course you don't wanna let your children outside, but is that that actually what is happening everywhere? No, it's a small selection of stories that are packaged up in a particular way. you know, look outside your window. (laughs) Does it look safe?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, statistically, I think you're right. We're statistically, we're safer now than we ever have been. But you're right. It's just, there's a, I haven't watched it, but I think there was um there was a program on Netflix. It might be somewhere else, but I'm sure it was Netflix where they, and I think it was either, I think it was Japan where they did this series where they were basically getting kids sort of really young and just letting them, Roam the streets. I mean, it's all all controlled, I, I believe, and I haven't watched it, and I'm sure someone's probably screaming into the speakers going What bloody are you talking about? You don't know what mm. you're talking about. But it was it was something to do where they'd let these young kids roam about and um explore and do this stuff and find their way. I mean, you know, they had I assume they were monitored the whole time and and what have you. But it kind of got me thinking. Yeah, I I'd probably have to watch it. Speak a bit more. Uh, there's a bit more authority on the topic, but yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Shame, shame that that's uh, the way mm. it is these days.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, being curious about the pervasiveness of technology and at some points needing to almost like check in. <laughs> I mean, like, are we happy with the way that things are unfolding with this particular set of behaviors, yes or no? Um, yeah. And I think it's, it is very challenging um, because it's it's so multifaceted like understanding human behavior and technology and the interface of that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just there's no there's no quick fix or easy solution. and I think as parents just need to do the best you can and um, to know that things can change. Um, and our brains are even plastic too. So it's like with you know with shifts in behavior and shifts in habits, um, a lot can change as well. Um, but yeah, I really feel for young people and younger generations growing up with technology and social media as it is, because I think it's, um, perhaps had such a big impact in ways that we maybe don't fully understand yet.
0: Yeah. hundred percent interested to talk about brain plasticity. I listened to a really f- interesting podcast about that topic, um, just last week about how the brain can change. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, pretty fascinating.
1: Exactly. And that's why I'm a big fan of tools like breathwork meditation, as well as, um, you know, coaching, because these are all ways to expand your self-awareness and, yep. um, whatever we study with repetition, you know, what fires together, wires, wires together in the brain. So we can start to like change your neural pathways and it can literally just change the type of thoughts that you think over time. So like who you yeah. are as a person is not the chatter in your head and who you are as a person is not a fixed you know, point that can change.
0: I mean, it can change quickly, can't it? Like who you are today doesn't mean that doesn't have to be who you are tomorrow. Exactly. I think a lot of people kind of forget that, and actually, you know, it can it can change overnight. It really can. Like if you say, "I don't want to be this person anymore," then you can change pretty um pretty quickly. Um, I kind of i obviously there's been so much to take away from this podcast already um and my next question is about advice and I normally put this question in there because I want it to be something that you know the listeners can take away but I guess if anyone's really listening intently today they have probably got a a notepad full of uh (laughs) (laughs) already but what's the best piece of advice you've ever received
1: Mm. I'm a big fan of this this truth which is I've said it already that, you know, everyone is doing the best they can with the awareness and the resources that they have. Yeah. You know, that everyone is trying to navigate life and their own challenges and to live their life as best they can, but just doing the best they can with what they've got. And that's going to look different for everyone. Um, And for me, continuously reminding myself of that means I can let go of judging others. And it also invites more compassion um, and a bit more curiosity for like, why are they doing that? Or why do they think that? Or why are they behaving in that way? So I find if I can keep reminding myself of that, I'm less frustrated with how things are. And yeah, I'm not judging people as intensely.
0: Um, I don't know if you, there's a podcast, you know, Stephen Bartlett is?
1: I've heard his name. Yeah.
0: So he did a podcast with a guy called Rangan Chatterjee.
1: Oh yeah, I know Rangan Chatterjee. Yeah, I mean not personally, but no, it's in. Like, I love his podcast. The, so he has the, his own podcast. Feel doesn't better, he? live more. I think that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah,
0: and he was he was a guest on Stephen Bartlett's, and they 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 talk about happiness heroes. Mm. It's, I I actually think it's one of the must listen podcasts I've ever listened to. Mm. I mean, I recommend podcasts like all day, every day to people, mm. but that particular one, and it's kind of on that theme of what you were saying is about how. You never know what someone's going through. And actually if you just mm-hmm. have that mindset of not yeah. judging them for whatever, then your life will be a lot more a lot better. Yeah. And he uses the term happiness hero. So for instance, like, I don't know, you might you might have had a row with someone this morning on your cycle back from the gym and put you in a foul mood. And then I might as a you know, when we had a phone call later and I think, oh gosh, you know, she's she's a bit short and yeah. snappy or whatever. And instead of just judging you for being that, but like that response is like actually guys thinking about more about oh well, why has she done that? Maybe something's happened, yeah. and actually, and it and it adds this layer of empathy in that is is um important. It's something I've been. This is kind of the same theme of what you're saying, and it's something I'm also trying to work hard at doing, mm. but I'm not been very good at in the past. So mm.
1: it's,
0: it's good advice.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but, I think um, as well, and for me. I've, I've done a lot of training around trauma and um, when we can also understand the nature of almost like the nervous system and the body and the typical thoughts that come up in behavior patterns. It just puts into context, you know, like why people might do things that you think, wow, that is so destructive or like, why are you doing that? You know, and yeah. it's like, oh, wow. When you understand more deeply, um, you know, typical behaviors and the context of them, again, it invites, it brings a lot of compassion because you're like, you know, who am I to judge that person, you yeah. know, based on their, their past experiences and that they're just trying their best. And when we're judging people, we're sort of closing ourselves off to connection. So actually we isolate ourselves as well. Um, and it's that somehow our ego is elevating us into a state of, you know, we know better or we're better than them. So yeah. it creates a sense of otherness. So it's, it's not just about being lovely and understanding to others. It actually supports us in being more connected and invites more humbleness as well.
0: It does. And you know what? I think it just makes the world a bit of a better place. I think that there's, Mm -hmm. again, and I'm far from uh, innocent in this. It's like, you know, it becomes a circle, doesn't it? Where, you you know, you you judge someone and then, or react in a certain way to someone. And then that judgment goes on to the next Mm -hmm. person. And then that person, it's just, and it it just grows and grows and grows because it's like a self-perpetuating ball of stress and Mm -hmm. judgment and anger and all this sort of stuff but yeah so that's a great piece of advice for people to take away Mm. I like that a lot um when you think about the future what do you see
1: I see lots of change and in ways that probably feel very uncomfortable both for myself and society Uh, and to trust in a, um, a deeper truth that's unfolding and that often Um, things need to die off in order for new things to come through so to sort of allow change to happen where it feels like things are decaying dying destruction like allow that to happen um, while simultaneously building a future you know that feels aligned to my passions my hopes my dreams so with that I see um, lots of connection nature (laughs) um, and lots of things that I have no idea what will happen and that's okay because if I don't know how it's gonna happen, it means it's not within my existing conditioning. So it might just be better than I imagined it.
0: You sound like you're in a pretty good place in life.
1: I feel in a very resourced place and I feel very fortunate to be connected to quite a lot of individuals, professionals who work in similar fields. So I feel very connected to them and it really helps to have Um, people in your corner, you know, who kind of see the world in a similar way Mm. and who are also working to make a positive difference in this world. And like, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm okay to lean into the darkness. Um, And also I believe that beautiful things, you know, can happen. Um, Like humans who just have the most incredible spirit. And I believe that when the shit hits the fan, that's often when we're at our most brilliant. So I feel that we can either choose to get invested in stories of, you know, everything is fucked, world's on fire, like everything's screwed, you know, which which is almost maybe part of the journey is to get really invested in those stories. Yeah. But just like the thoughts, feelings, action, reaction, you know, exercise, if we break that down, it's really disempowering. It's probably a trauma-based narrative. Um, It doesn't really help anyone or yourself. So it's like, you know, acknowledging where, yeah, things are pretty fucked up in lots of places. Like let's not shy away from that. And also what else can we do? And it's like, may as well um, lean in and really explore what is available here to work with and to really expand through that. So what I've gone through on an individual level, like it's happening on a big scale, right? So we can ride through this together, this like dark night of the soul or the hero's journey with Joseph Campbell. It's like, um I see as so we're going through that process and I have a lot of faith in humanity and um I see the the beauty in people's pain all the time. Um so it, it's like if there's gotta be a whole lot of pain, there's gotta be a whole lot of beauty there somewhere.
0: <laughs> that is a, a very beautiful outlook. Um I'm gonna move on to the last question now. So the last question has been posed to you by the previous guest I mm. interviewed. And after this podcast, I'd be very grateful if you could uh, suggest a question for the next guest who I'm speaking to next week. Um, it's a pretty deep question, and I, I kind of—I've introduced this concept, um, which I've stolen from another podcaster, but I've introduced it, and I feel like the question people feel like they need to ask a deep question, and this one's got even deeper. And the question is, what does your present look like? compared to your past's future? So basically, are you doing what you thought you would be doing? Um, Would you change it? Are you happy with it? Um,
1: Yeah. Mm. Oh, what I, what's happening for me in this present moment is very different to what I expected myself to be doing. I don't think I could have imagined me doing this type of work I certainly had a belief that I couldn't work for myself because I would be rubbish at it, and I need teams and people to buy. Self-limiting
0: off. belief, right there, right?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I even I remember being in a Myers Briggs style, you know, session and thinking, well, I guess I can never work for myself then because you know I'd be crap at that based on all of this. Um, Do you know? I he, just,
0: just to, sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you there. I hear that exact phrase about um, from quite a lot of people. So obviously, I work for myself, and I. The inevitable question, or not a question, sorry. The inevitable conversation when you tell people that is, oh, I can never do it. Yeah, But it is amazing how many people say that. Yes,
1: yeah, exactly. Well, again, we've got all these beliefs about the type of person that does that. There's an image yep. we have in our mind of who that person is. And if we don't match that image, we can't do it. Um, so I actually support quite a few people in making that transition from a salaried role into working for themselves because I've I done do. it. Okay. Um, so yep. there's the practical aspects of like setting up your business. <laughs> But to be honest, most of that you can kind of figure out or hire someone to help you do that, um, like an accountant. Um, But then it's more the self-belief piece. Like if you don't believe you can do it, you won't do it. So it's about exploring like those self-limiting beliefs and then growing through those. So so yeah, so I think past me would be very surprised that we're working for ourselves. (laughs) Um, And I had no idea that, you know, breathwork existed as a modality. I wouldn't have imagined I could do retreats or, you know, so yeah, I'm definitely living a very different life. And at the same time, there's core bits of me. I think that core threads, if you like, that have always been there. And so I think I'd be very surprised that it suddenly blossomed into what I do full time.
0: Would you change it? No. no. happy?
1: Oh yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think happiness for me is an inside job um, I'm doing what I love f- for a living. And I think that's what I want for a lot of other people to do as well. the um, healthiest I've ever been. Um, yeah, I feel like I don't want to be arrogant enough to say I've got a handle on life because that's when life comes and smacks you around the head with <laughs> something. Um, but just understanding more about how humans work has been, um, you know, the greatest gift and then means that I can navigate life without being at the sharp pointy end of it all the time.
0: Lee, I think that is a very um, suitable place to end our podcast today. Great. I want to thank you so much. Honestly, I, I say this a lot and this kind of <laughs> regular listeners' podcast are probably bored of this phrase, but I never know w- what my guests are going to talk about, right? And and the point of the questions was always to try and get people to open up and, and be whatever. But to this day, everyone has added real value and insight and inspiration and it's and it's brilliant. And you today, I mean, we're going to be two hours by the time I finish this little ramble, but that's the longest I've spoke to anyone since I started. And I don't feel like we've spoken for two hours. And I think that there is, as I said earlier, didn't I, that there's going to be people sitting there with notepads and scribbled notes (laughs) of plenty. And I think that that is amazing. And I think that is a credit to, everything you've discussed and and again i've said it before about other podcasts but i think there's so much value in this and i really hope that you know when i started this i wanted to learn stuff and 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 get insights and inspiration from people but i think when i look at this episode if someone emails me or you and says that this has helped them because of a place they are or whatever i you know That'd be truly magical. So, I wanted mm. to thank you a lot for uh, everything you shared and how authentic and open and honest you've been. It's empowering. Where can people find you if they want to come and pick your brain some more or just chat about um, things?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you, Bessie. Thank you so much for creating this space. Thank you for inviting me to be part of it. And a big fat well done to anyone who's had the patience to, <laughs> to stay the full <laughs> two hours. Like, whew, get a high five. Um, so. I just have my name. So Bryony Gunson. So I've got a website, bryonygunson.com and on Twitter, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, I've dabbled with TikTok, but you can go and see what dregs are over there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just Bryony Gunson. And because I do a lot more coaching and I wanted to sort of separate that out. I do have a coaching with Bryony as, um, an Instagram prof- profile as well. I do, so yeah, okay. come and hit me up and, um, I mean, I think, and just a general message. Like if you know anyone that's struggling, it's like, oof, you know, don't do this on your own. We're not supposed to do it on our own. And, um, so yeah, reach out and have a conversation and to know that this too shall pass. Um, and we're going through a time of great change. And that's, that's what's really important. We need, we need each other, you know, as we go through this together.
0: We do solid advice, Bryony. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. Cheers.
0: Told you, didn't I? Long one. Um, That was 10Q Interview with the amazing Bryony Gunson, Um, (laughs) if you made it this far, kudos to you. Um, Yeah, I don't even know where to start, I I really took a lot away from this one, and I would be really, really interested to know what you thought about it Um, at 10Q Interview, everywhere you may look. I won't ramble on now because like I said, I know this is a long one, but make sure you have hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this and the next 10Q interview episode will be in your um, downloads in on Tuesday next week. Speak soon. Take care of yourself.